It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Life to Tower on the Horn. Craigway, Jeff Howe with you. I'm up in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Texas and Kansas uh, open their series tonight. It's a 6 o'clock first pitch. We'll have it for you on the Horn, 545 airtime, and a 6 o'clock first pitch from Hoagland Ballpark uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. Jeff, I'm trying to remember, have, have you covered a basketball field house? I have not, no. Okay, all right. Have you been over to it? No, I haven't. I, I hope I didn't okay. miss my shot. Well, well, I think there is a uh, certainly a possibility that a non-conference series between Texas and Kansas could continue. I do think there's, there is the chance. I know uh, when Chris Beard was coaching, he and Bill Self both made comments about it that they wanted – to see that continue even as Texas departs for the SEC to play, you know, once a year uh, and alternate home and home or something to try that. So hopefully hopefully that happens and hopefully you'll you'll get the opportunity. I had uh, <laughs> I had somebody yesterday with the baseball program, one of the coaches asked me uh they were talking about the ballpark. I were talking about Hoagland ballpark and I'll get to that in a moment. But Hoagland Ballpark geographically is set up, you might say, just outside the side door of Allen Fieldhouse. It's very close to it. It's maybe, I don't even think it's 100 yards, maybe like 50 yards away from it, outside of side doors, the the back part of it. So basically, it's Uncle, very, very Uncle Rico could definitely hit it with a football since he could throw it over the mountains. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that you could stand outside the door, uh, and 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 throw a football and land it near the pitcher's mat. I know Quinn Ewers could, and I know Malik Murphy could, and you know, and Arch Manning. I know they could, and and probably some other guys. Uh, probably most of the high school football quarterbacks in here could do it. It's my my point is is that it's that it's very very close to it. And the member of the uh, Texas baseball coaching staff said. Uh, he, he pointed over to Allen Fieldhouse, and, and I'm always impressed by this: that that coaches of the other sports appreciate the history and uh, and and the solemnity of of what Allen Fieldhouse can represent in college basketball to the extent that they kind of speak of it in reverent tones. So this this member of the coaching staff said. Uh, said, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, that's a pretty cool place, isn't it? That's that's." It really, I said, "Oh, it's great. It's a great place again." <laughs> then he looked over his shoulder and said, <laughs> "So it's not quite the same thing with this place, is it? <laughs> because the baseball facility um, at least something is, to be desired." 
Yeah, it, it's a small place, uh, and it's and and if the if the wind is is if the breeze is coming out of the north, uh, the ball will fly out. Uh, Keith Moreland and I were talking about yesterday. There there are trees beyond the outfield wall, especially beyond the left field wall and the right field wall. There's a there's a thirty foot high uh, batter's eye hit, uh, hitter's backdrop. Uh, up from there, and it's all like blue, like royal blue. It's not green outfield wall. It's blue, and uh, there are trees beyond the outfield fence. And uh, they were talking about how if you walk out there, there's padding on that outfield wall. But as Keith Moreland pointed out, they're not often there's not often much padding, uh, or there in the past. It's only happened relatively recently. In other words, it was just wooden fence. It was a wooden board. 10-foot-high wall that went around. And so they just, when they went, they put the padding on the outfield wall. So the padding is there, but it's still wooden fence behind it. And, and the member of the coaching staff said, I was, I was surprised. Went out there, and there's a wooden fence out there beyond it. And then and then they were talking about the trees, this grove of trees under it. It's very picturesque. And I said, I remember being here, I believe, in 2014 maybe it was, uh, 13 or 14 or somewhere thereabouts, and uh, C.J. Hinojosa hit a ball that went into those trees. Uh, and um, and I think this was the place where he hit for the cycle. Uh, and he hit a ball into those trees, and the ball never came out. You know, just, they had they, people. So it got stuck somewhere up in that tree. Now it's probably fallen out or been retrieved at some point since. Since that was Jeez, we're I would talking. hope so. It's been it's been a Eight, minute nine, since CJ played ago. here, Craig. Yeah, yeah. But, but a squirrel, a squirrel knocked it down or something. Yeah, maybe it, it flew right into a knot hole or something. Yeah, up maybe there, it was one of them raccoons that are invading McCallum, like Could we be. talked about yesterday, that went up there. <laughs> Heard about that? Shimmied up a tree and that. rooted it loose. Yeah, but CJ Hinojosa hit one on a line shot. You remember, Jeff, the home run he hit in the uh, 2014 College World Series against Irvine. It was the only run of the game. Yeah. And he hit that, as Keith would say, you could hang a month's worth of laundry on that, that line drive, that line on that shot that he hit into the bullpen. Uh, And it was the first home run hit in the College World Series, and that was an elimination game on a Wednesday night uh, when, when he hit that. Yeah, balls, because, were as not, we know, balls were not flying out of TD Ameritrade during uh, Omaha no. that year. No, and and not for several years until they made a few adjustments. But they wanted all of those, uh, they wanted all of those uh, uh, dimensions to match Rosenblatt, which they did. What they didn't count on, at least, or or disregarded, was as you remember from Rosenblatt, as it was called, the old ballpark on the hill. It sat on the top of the hill. So when that wind would come out, would blow out, it would blow the balls out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. But where it sits, as you know, from what's it called now? It's not TD Ameritrade anymore. Oh, it's uh, Charles Schwab. Yeah, Charles Schwab. The Schwab. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where it is now, it sits down lower with downtown. So it's made uh, fly balls more difficult to get out of the ballpark there. Uh, here, it just depends on the wind, like with so many places. But when the wind is is blowing in out of the north, it'll blow because this ballpark faces kind of southeasterly, and it'll and and it, it'll carry the ball. It'll 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 definitely carry it if it comes out. But a lot of times that wind's coming out of the south, and that ballpark ballpark will play bigger 
Uh, I know Kansas is certainly hoping that. Uh, and and, um, and all pitchers always like that, so Lucas Gordon wouldn't mind if that's the case. But, you know, uh, it, it's, it, hopefully it sets up well for the Longhorns. Why do I remember that year in Omaha, TCU, I want to say they had lost a semifinal game to, I want to say maybe Ole Miss or Virginia. And Jim Schlossnagel, I only thing I remember is Jim Schlossnagel was furious because there were like three or four balls in that game that in any other ballpark, in any other setting, would have been no doubt home runs that just kind of hung up and, and died on the warning track. Yeah. And I know he was You're right. Fu- you remember that? He was furious about just the, the ballpark setup. And then right after that was when they made the, the changes. They changed a few things up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, and that that's how it was for a lot of teams who had a lot of long ball, ball power, and they did, uh, that, that TCU team. So you're right about that. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, it's crazy the so, things that are just stuck in my brain that I randomly have recall over. Well, that's how it, that's how the old mind operates sometimes. You know, sometimes we get some. You'll be like that one day, Cam. Just. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. when Travis Sikora did blah, 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 blah while you're watching and pitching the majors. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got our Flex 30 update. We're going to hear from David Pierce. We have the notebook where Jeff has some basketball notes for us as well, so we got some other things we'll get to. Is that a Round Rock baseball like the- shirt, Cameron, by the way? Oh, yeah. Okay, I just saw Dragon at the top. I didn't see what else was there. So Outfitting their play-by-play voice, the uh, Round the Rock baseball booster club very very nice of them to do that for cam uh all right uh coming up we'll uh have our longhorn notebook and more as we continue with light the tower on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app at hornfm.com light the tower with craig way and jeff howe This is Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. This uh, particular tune, which was a big hit my senior year in high school, uh, Jackson Brown running on empty, is a major hit. But when you hear this song, Jeff Howe, what do you think of? Forrest Gump. Yep. Makes perfect sense. So he's running and running, 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 running. So... Then he, you know, decides out there in Monument Valley that he's had enough. He's going to go home. He just felt like Well, a couple of weeks ago, my son Andy had a little trip with uh, some friends. Uh, They went out to Arizona. They saw the Diamondbacks play the Rockies or Padres. Uh, They uh, went to the Grand Canyon. And they went up there to Monument Valley. So, Andy posts a picture, I think, on Facebook. I know he sent it to us on the family group text. But he's, like, turned around, and he's standing right on that spot in the movie. And Andy's caption was, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. That's awesome. Yeah, it was well done. It was it was well, got, well done there. And by the uh, way, my buddy so, Sam Hobbs, one of my lifelong friends, if you're listening right now, let me take this opportunity to remind everybody listening my friend Sam Hobbs thought Forrest Gump was a true story, that it was a real person named Forrest Gump who did all that stuff. And I had to break it to him in AP government in high school that Forrest Gump was not. (laughs) 
not a true story. <laughs> that he met President Kennedy, that he that he uh, as no, a member no, of the all, Look All, all American. All that stuff team. happened, but there was not a guy named Forrest Gump who did all that stuff. Yeah, that he played for Bear Bryant, and that he uh, and <laughs> that he he met the president, and uh, that he that he said, uh, what is it? He drank. 18 Dr. Peppers. And hey, did then, you ever, uh, asked him, by the way, did you ever hear what happened to the, the proposed sequel for that movie? They were going to do a sequel. Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis were in the process of doing a sequel. Um, uh, yeah, I had heard that it was going to happen. Then all of a sudden it just quietly never happened. Well, the day they, you know what day they were supposed to meet to start discussing the details and principal filming and everything? Let me guess. September 11, 2001. And after yeah, that, Tom Hanks yeah. just decided, you know what, this seems pretty inconsequential, and they just dropped it. Yep. Because I'd heard the premise was going to be that his son, Little Forrest, was like a genius or something. Was It was going to be, you know, just the, in, in the, and the foibles and trials and tribulations. Now, I don't think they would have had Haley Joel Osment playing the – older one as he did as the as the little forest he was too busy seeing dead people by that point he was he was he had seen quite a few by oh um i i I don't know but yeah i'd I'd heard that was going to be the premise son was going to be like a genius and it was going to be the uh it was going to be the you know he's like is he is he smart jenny you know yeah he He's one of the smartest kids in his class. By know. the way, Haley Joel Osment was also in the uh, most awkward Walker, Texas Ranger clip you'll ever see if you remember that show with Chuck Norris from back in the day. I remember the show. I have rarely saw much of that show. I don't think I ever saw an episode all the way through. I did not know that. I want to say Fox 7 would run it on like Saturday nights at like 8 o'clock in syndication. Yeah. Back in the okay. day. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's mo- move forward now to our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, Cam. Bay, uh, baseball and softball playoffs certainly uh, well underway, and now it's uh, it's by district weekend. Like you, you mentioned, the first hour of the program when I asked you about Round Rock, you said they took Game One from Buta Johnson, Game Two tonight down at Johnson, and if there is a third game, it is going to be at the mysterious yet to be determine tbd is that right yes sir that's correct okay all right um so uh i i would imagine obviously with uh last night what's uh round rock in good shape what about uh, for game two for the dragons yes the core pitched six innings kate wobble came out of the bullpen but i thought mark durham and buta johnson did a really good job of handling their bullpen they went with the freshman cj hansford to start and he actually pitched two more sophomores as well so it was an incredible crowd craig uh raucous environment i have not seen a high school baseball environment like that i mean they were there it was standing room only uh for most of the game especially with all the mlb scouts out there as well but i thought he did a really good job of uh, handling his bullpen he knew going into this weekend it would be all hands on deck and 
only gave up four runs against Round Rock. Now, when you only score one run against them, then it's going to be tough to win games, especially with Sakura on the mound. So I think he's in a pretty good shape with this bullpen. He had a couple guys he could go with to start with. I think because these two teams met in tournament play, he didn't want to send out guys that Round Rock had already seen, trying to get a little bit of an advantage. So we'll see who, you, who Coach Durham goes with on the mound tonight. I think for Round Rock, it'll be Tanner Jackson, Kate Algar, probably the first out of the bullpen. But Peter Johnson, I mean... They didn't get the memo. They didn't see that Round Rock was 14-0 in district play. They didn't play like it last night. Uh, they didn't look scared at all. So it was a really good game. And I didn't really know this, um, or really the first time I've ever seen it, guys. Buda Johnson kind of brought their, not their cheerleaders, but like a cowbell team in the in the stands the entire time. It, it was very interesting. I had not heard cowbells at a baseball game. Well, Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, they, obviously. It, they, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, a cowbell team? A group of probably about 30, 40 girls, high school girls, and they just had a bunch of cowbells. And throughout the throughout the game, just, you know, kind of, you know, ringing the, ringing the cowbells. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, what else is uh, catching your fancy about the, the this big uh, playoff weekend, first, first big uh, playoff weekend? Yeah, so also Westlake and Vandergrift, that's a fun little rivalry. They met last night. Uh, Westlake won game one, five to three. Uh, Bowie, how about how – about Zay's Bulldogs, a 4-0 victory over Fister Ridge. They're in good shape now to advance to the second weekend. Um, East Central lost to San Antonio Reagan. Looks like Reagan Round Rock possibly will be meeting in the next round, but of course that's all decided by tonight. Uh, Rouse, Leander Rouse, they lost their first game um, yesterday in the first round in 5A play. Um, Hayes, not due to Hayes, Greg Hayes finally got it right. Just um, Hayes. Yep. Lost to Smithson Valley 7-2. Liberty Hill Fell the champion seven to three um, in McCollum, San Antonio McC- McCollum. Excuse me, a different McCallum. I see what, what McCallum did. Yeah, not did. McCallum. It's McCollum. McCollum. Yeah, right. You're right. McCallum playing the night, and a few other series start tonight, like Laza and Pflugerville. I believe their first game is tonight. I think Elgin and Austin Crockett. I think their first game is tonight. But there's there's a lot of high school baseball action being played. Georgetown. Uh, they blanked Navarro last night, eleven to nothing, as the Eagles try to go back to back. McCallum did beat Eastview thirteen to eleven in game one so a lot of good action i think even uh jeff's uh favorite high school gerald is playing the night as well in 4a hey how about that i got distracted somebody sent me a thing on the specs text line that uh, somebody bought it well you know what i'll save that for inconceivable on monday i want to save that oh it's, really yeah it's one of my uh won't expand on it just one of my irrational fears in life that apparently can't happen so it's good to know thank you texter for leaving me All with right. that for the rest of the weekend uh, and um, Cam, did you mention uh, Wimberley falling to Navarro? I, yes, you, you went through. I'm pretty, I, well, I didn't you, I mention it. Sure. Um, they did. You're right. Uh, Navarro did win. I think yeah. that was just a one-game series, from what I understand. It was. So yep. And then yep. Salado beat Burnett 13 to two. So game they do have a game two tonight at seven o'clock at uh, Burnett Field. And then Gerald and Robinson tonight. Correct, uh, Jeff? You going out there to watch Gerald play? Negative, okay. Ghost Rider. All right. Well, that's that's bulletin board material for Gerald, correct? Did you get the note that uh, Westwood Lake Travis is a win gamer? Uh, I did not know that. Actually, you just got that that text. Just that's came tonight. In. Yeah, I wonder if that's because of Lake Travis playing about four different playing games over the weekend. I wonder, if, like, I mean, seriously, they they played I think three games over the weekend just to try and figure out where they're going to be. But that might be a great wow. question. So it's a one gamer tonight. Yes, against Westwood. That's what this texter says. Okay. Thank okay. you, Good Samaritan. Believe Ridge Morgan first, Kid and Leon on the bump for both teams. I think those are the probable starters, and that'll be a really fun pitching matchup. 
Yeah. Um, okay, there it is. There's your Flex 30 update with your baseball playoff update for you. All right, it's time now for our second hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Craig, you ever recall? Start it off with, yeah. you, do you want to start basketball or baseball? Uh, we'll do basketball, but just real quick, we'll yep. just keep it to baseball in the area on the high school front. Do you remember Brent Cleveland, former Westwood grade at Brent sure. Cleveland? Did Brent, did he make the major leagues? Yes. Get a cup of coffee? With the Tigers. Okay. So I guess would he and Kelly Johnson maybe be the two Westwood products that played in the big leagues? I think you're right. There might be more, right but that. Westwood people, if yeah. I'm wrong on that, I apologize. But I think that's it. Uh, yeah, so let's do basketball. In case you missed it earlier, Max Asmus has signed his athletic scholarship agreement. Now, this is different than a national letter of intent, where the national letter of intent binds you to the school. This is the paperwork you sign that just binds the school to you. So just kind of make sure, making sure you're saving your spot. So Caden Shedrick got his process the other day. Uh, Max Asmus's was processed today and announced by the school. And – Soon to be signed by the Longhorns with the two commitments yesterday. So based on a lot of research, Craig, and legwork, here's the correct pronunciations. It's Kendall, yes. Weaver, Kendall Weaver, the guard. From Kendall spelled with a C-H, but yes. it's not pronounced Chendall. He pronounces it. He pronounces it Kendall. And, it's, and, and on yeah. multiple game broadcasts I found, <clears throat> it is pronounced Kendall. Uh, the guard from UTA, nine and a half points a game, a little over four and a half rebounds, two assists per game, whack freshman of the year. And I've got some numbers, Craig, if you want to get into just kind of some of his season highlights. Uh, same thing with Zarek Onyema, the 6'8 forward from UTEP, uh, was recruited by Rodney Terry to that UTEP program, really kind of broke out this year, was used sparingly his first couple of years and had a, a really nice season for the minors this year. Again, I, I really like him for that role Christian Bishop was in last year as a rim protector, rim runner, who can do a little bit more, be your energy spark plug guy off the bench. Two years for uh, for Zarek and Yemma to play uh, at Texas, so can fit into maybe that reserve role. Then you know for the following season when you know Brock Cunningham and Dylan DeSue are going to be gone, and we'll see what Caden Shedrick does. Got a long way to go till he has to make that decision, uh, but could really be a nice front court piece that you can count on for the – just that would be the 24-25 season so two really good players uh from the state of texas from that that mid-major level uh but zarek and yemma was seven a little over seven points and four and almost four and a half rebounds per game for utep craig we got a good look at him uh earlier uh early in the season actually mm-hmm. in the season opener when utep came uh to austin he had 10 points in that game in 22 minutes so uh I don't know if you want some some rundown of, of what some of these guys did during the season, Craig. Some highlights that stand out. You you want to sure. run down some of that stuff? All right. Well, yes. we'll start. We'll start with Kendall Weaver. Uh, and the thing I like about him most, other than just the raw numbers, forty point two percent from the three point line uh, this past season. Uh, also seventy percent from the foul line. The other thing that really stood out to me: you look at his numbers in WAC play. Eighteen conference games they play in the WAC. Uh, 10.6 points, 4.4 rebounds, 3.2 assists, and Craig, he shot 45% from the three-point line in conference play. So it's a pretty good sample size to say this kid can't shoot the ball and can do it. I mean, we know, look, you want to talk about competition in the WAC, that's the same league Jabari Rice played in. I'm not saying Kendall Weaver's going to be Jabari Rice, but the competition in the WAC can give you a pretty good barometer of how a guy is going to fare. Uh, had a season-high 21 in a home win over Sam Houston on February 4th. Uh, also uh, had 19 points uh, the following game in a, a loss to uh, a home loss to Tarleton State uh, on a February 18th road win over Stephen F. Austin. Flirted with a triple double, 17 points, eight rebounds, and five assists. Finished the season with uh, nine points, eight boards, and four assists 
in 38 turnover-free minutes in a loss to Grand Canyon, a really good Grand Canyon team uh, in the, uh, I believe that was the quarterfinals of the WAC tournament. So with Max Asmus, Kendall Weaver, if you get Tyrese Hunter back, that's a pretty good three-guard lineup you can go with. And But I think, do think Rodney Terry and company, they're going to look for uh, at least one more guard so they can feel good about where they stand. Zarek Onyema Craig, double digits and points his first five games of the season. Uh, had an, an 11 and 11 double-double. Well, that's a mouthful to say. An 11-point, 11-rebound <laughs> double-double uh, against Alcorn State. Went didn't ha- after that though didn't score in double figures again until January 28th. But he had 11 and six in a road loss to North Texas. We all know how good Grant McCaslin's team was. They won the NIT, and then he had another run of five games reaching double figures and scoring. That included a season high 19 in a February 23rd road win over uh, FIU, and then maybe his best game of the season was an 11 point 11 rebound double double in a road loss to FAU, and we all know that FAU team went on to uh, to participate in the Final Four. So these are guys that have, on a smaller scale, done it, but uh, I think the roles that they're going to be, that they were recruited for to fill in this year, they can fill adequately, and obviously with Weaver, who's got three years left, you're hoping that they can take on those roles this year, and then in the coming years, uh, really blow it up and be, as soon as that 24-25 season, be bigger parts of this thing for Rodney Terry, getting two pieces that you can count on. And that's that's one thing, Craig, I've heard has kind of been the goal for them in the portal. Get guys, you know, a guy like Max Asmus, you take him no matter what. He's that good. Uh, but the right. some of the other guys you take, get multiple-year guys. That way you can take what's already been developed, develop it the way you want to, and then now you've got some really good pieces to build on for the future. No doubt. Um Okay, uh, on the baseball, uh, uh, Texas does have – oh, first of all, softball. It, tonight at McCombs Field is uh, senior night. It's the final home game of the regular season for Texas softball. They'll host Baylor. This is the split series like baseball used to do. Softball does a split series with Baylor. So they play tonight and uh, and in, in Austin, and then uh, tomorrow evening at 6 and Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock in Waco at Getterman Stadium – the uh, barring any sort of crazy, unbelievable collapse, plus I think uh, it would have to be uh, Oklahoma State taking two of three from number one Oklahoma. It would take all of that kind of stuff for Texas not to finish second. So the Longhorns are going to finish in second place in the Big 12, which is going to be their highest finish uh, in the regular season in the Big 12, I believe. Uh, I heard Andrew Haynes say this the other night in their win over Sam Houston since 2015 in in the regular season standings. So uh, they'll be the two seed in the Big 12 Conference Tournament. The uh, And Texas baseball here in Lawrence, Kansas, sun has come out. It's getting pretty bright and pretty warm, and that's what we were told it was going to be. So um, it should not be a rain issue this weekend against KU. They get ready to take on a Kansas team, and um, we're into, into May now, and – uh, you know, Kansas, as we pointed out, has struggled. But then again, Oklahoma was struggling when they went in Austin and swept Texas. So you can imagine David Pierce's response when he was asked about, you know, are you any concerns at all about your team coming off the good series against TCU not being as dialed in for this series on the road against Kansas? No, we're in May. I mean, it's playoff baseball right now. So everything means a little bit more i mean it's not that it hadn't meant a lot but you know the implications are out there we need to go play well and if you don't play well in our league you're going to get beat so 
putting all three phases together, being consistent, finding reliability, that's that's the key for us going into this series. And uh, in the uh, the other comment that he had uh, uh, out of the media availability uh, yesterday was uh, he was asked about Tanner Witt. Uh, Tanner, you know, went two-thirds of an inning and his return to the mound, first time back on the mound uh, since last year, had the Tommy John surgery, and went two-thirds of an inning and uh, took the loss, uh, gave up three runs, and then were the, the hits and the walks and the hit batter, those kinds of things. And uh, and he's going to get the start on Sunday. They're going to continue to ramp him up along. So uh, he'll start up here on Sunday. There's the hope that he can certainly finish one inning, maybe do two, depending on how the pitch count is, and a slow ramp up that by the time they get to uh, Arlington and certainly by the time they would get to NCAA, he might be able to give them close to a full complement of innings and pitches for a full start. But they have to start by ramping him up. So the question uh, for Coach Pierce was, you know, what did you uh, say to him when you went out to the mound to have to get him? Here was his first game back, and he's out there for 23 pitches and two-thirds of an inning. And Pierce said it was less about what Tanner Witt said and more about what his teammates in the infield said when uh, Coach Pierce went out to take the ball from him and make a pitching change. I thought it was pretty funny because when I went out, a couple of the infielders said, man, Tanner, that was awesome. And I'm like, well, time out. I don't think it was awesome, but it was great to have him back. Um, And just, you know, he sped up a little bit and hadn't picked up a ball and thrown in competition in 14, 15 months. So no matter how experienced you think they are or how mature you think they are, uh, they go through this. And so... It's good to have that one past us, and hopefully he'll be a lot different this coming Sunday. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tanner, that was awesome. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't awesome. <laughs> okay. Hey, just, but, just, uh, <laughs> just giving your guy a little, little juice, a little confidence. <laughs> so, it's good to have him back on the mound, and he will, again, uh, be on the mound Sunday. And uh, LBJ, LeBaron Johnson, is going to get the start on Saturday, uh, coming off that outstanding uh, it, Six and a third, I guess it was, innings of relief, a, a career long for him in uh, getting the win last Saturday in Fort Worth. He's 4-2 and two with a two seven zero ERA. So he'll be making his eighth start of the season. So it's Lucas Gordon tonight, LeBaron Johnson tomorrow, and Tanner Witt uh, on Sunday for Texas. And an important series, as we pointed out, for the Longhorns uh, against this Kansas Jayhawk team. Their final road series of the season will be the last road games that they play before heading up to Arlington for for the Big 12 Conference Tournament. So there it is with that, with your uh, Longhorn notebook. All right, uh, Jeff and I will be back to wrap up today's edition and get you ready for the weekend. Here on Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 101.9, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering out. She was a black haired beauty with big dark eyes and points all her own, sudden way up high. This is Light the Tower on the Horn as we get ready to wrap it up. 
Craig Way, Jeff Howard. We have neither the time nor the inclination to get into this debate, but I did. I heard uh, Bucky and Aaron talking about this this morning about one of the greatest American rock and roll bands of all time because Aerosmith is coming back through or something like that. And I think all of that is always a matter of personal taste. Uh, so ranking someone as the greatest American rock and roll band, yada, 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 I don't. I think that's kind of out of place because it comes down to what your musical tastes are like. Uh, I like Aerosmith, but I was never a gigantic fan of Aerosmith. See, I, I, I like, I like so, them. I, there's a decent amount of Aerosmith stuff I like, but there's yep. a, a decent amount of stuff that I could completely do without that they've done. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, you know, um, and then and then on the other hand, uh, the, the the Eagles are just legendary. The guy we just heard there, Bob Seger. I mean, there's lots of great. American rock and roll artists and bands. So that's why I think it's a personal taste thing yeah, about like whether from a, from deciding pers- one yeah. is greatest or whatever. From a personal preference standpoint, I think of it like, okay, if you take this band out, how differently do I view music? And for right. me, like that's that's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. If you take that band and if you take Petty out of the equation, it's just not music is not the same for me. So I, and I think they have enough clout, enough cachet that I I would probably give them the title if I'm forced if I'm forced to make it make a pick. If you if 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 I'm using that, I think by the way that's a pretty good measuring tool there. What you just unveiled, if if uh, he said unveiling tool, uh, if if um if if I'm using uh, that measuring stick or whatever, then then my answer is going to be the Eagles. When I think about American music and and you don't it, it, without the Eagles, you know that's that would be my. But for some, it'd be Bruce Springsteen, yeah. And for some, it would be Aerosmith, and and uh, you, certainly uh, up in the Michigan area. But even in other parts of the country, for some, it would be Bob Seger. I yeah. mean, there's there's not, for some, it might be America. You know, they're they're more <laughs> yacht rock, but but it might be America. So I don't know. Yeah, Metallica is uh, another. Anyway. Metallica is another good. Pick. Metallica, mm-hmm. absolutely. So uh, that th- that's why I say it's a personal taste. Could thing. be Pearl Jam for some unfortunate soul out there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I know that's not for you, but but for some it could be Pearl Jam. It's it's a good point. So it was nice of you to mention that. You know, I mean, it's, you're feeling magnanimous. You're not. You're not. Planning to at least keep tabs on Did what you say. New kids the on the block, tonight? Cameron. Was that like you were telling me that during the break that that was going to be your answer? Oh, stop for the it. Segment. In sync for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let, let's keep let's keep band. the bubblegum pop slander to a minimum right here. Stuff from the late. We're 90s seeing Nickelback on the Specs text line. Nickelback. I thought yeah. Nickelback was Canadian. Ooh. Yeah. Aren't they Canadian? Yeah, I think you're right. Actually. Am I wrong about that? No, you're right. Yeah. This. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, yeah, so don't – yeah. We're, we're talking about American bands. If, if if you're going around the world, there's only going to be one, at least for me. So that's, you know, that's that's just how that's going to be. Air supply, but, but Craig? America, oh, yeah. yeah no. somebody, somebody mentioned that. <laughs> Linda gets a big kick out of that when we're sitting there and, yeah, you know, when we're listening to music at home and it might be like uh, on a Sirius XM thing or whatever in the air supply. Comes and I just serenely, you know, we'll be talking or I'll just serenely go over and just mute it immediately or change it right then. She's like, I like your timing on that. I was working on a report uh, and I was listening to some sound bites, but I'd cut it off when a good song comes on. So there would be listening to and then 
uh, air supply, all out of love. I'm all out of love comes on, and I just gonna okay. Here's a good thing. Here's a good time to listen to a sound bite, and I just mute it. Hey, are you uh, are you and Keith gonna try to actually count the people in the ballpark tonight? You know what? I, um, it's a small enough ballpark where it looks like they're adequately occupied the seats. Even to, they're a big Saturday afternoon crowd here. I'll bet you there's gonna be a big crowd tomorrow. Tonight, I got you. maybe not so much. Yeah, so we'll see on that. Uh, 5.45 airtime, 6 o'clock. First pitch here on the Horn. Softball, 5.45 airtime, 6 o'clock. First pitch from McCombs on 105 through the back. Of all of that, I'll be back in the house on Monday. We invite you to stay tuned as Chad and Zay continue from the Mullet Open. So they'll be out there. And then uh, afterwards, too, Ball Don't Lie will be emanating from down there in Bastrop County. For our man behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker, and for my co-host, Jeff Howe. We'll visit with you Monday morning, 10 o'clock on Light the Tower.